This is a West Wimmera Health Service podcast. Presented by me, Brigitte Muir. Farmer wants a healthy life. This series focuses around stories and issues related to health and well-being. Some of the people we hear from are sharing their stories, hoping that their experiences will help us with our own health and well-being. Please be aware that some of their life experiences may touch on issues that are sensitive to some. Please listen with care. You will find information on seeking help if you need it in the notes attached to each episode. When I hear the words footy and crickets, I think young blokes getting a good dose of healthy exercise and priceless social bonding. Dan Irwin certainly got all that as a teenager, but it also sent him on a long downward spiral into gambling. I caught up with Dan at the home he shares with his fiancée Sarah near Banignong. I grew up in Macedon Riddles Creek area and went to, to primary school, high school through there. Was desperate to be a PE teacher, uh, didn't get enough, my marks weren't good enough too busy playing sport in my later years and uh, moved to northern Victoria up north of Shepparton did a dairy apprenticeship uh, food science degree through craft at Strathman and then played a lot of country footy so I went to a few clubs played and stayed within the dairy industry up north played till I was 37 it's a big chunk of your life playing footy and training and doing all those things and then when I finished footy got depression which never spoke to anyone about adding that into a lifelong career of gambling it didn't put me in a great headspace so the sport you were playing was it related to the gambling did you have opportunities to get into gambling through footy footy and cricket so back in my riddles correct when i was 16 so back in then we didn't have the ipads and everything else that was going so all you wanted to do was play senior sport to play with your local heroes if you like your local peers so and i was sort of fairly gifted in the fact that I could play senior footy and cricket at 16. Cricket starts spring carnival time. My introduction to gambling was with the cricket team. Uh, I used to work in a sports store, local Gisman sports stores. Get my $20 and my $25 that I earned on Friday night to put in a punting pool on a Saturday. So you, what, 16, 17? 16, 17. Knew nothing about gambling, but I just wanted to be part of this gambling pool. And it, it seemed like so much fun. And, and that was my introduction to gambling. Move on a couple of years, was never committed enough or trained hard enough to play at a high, a really high level of footy, AFL footy, but good enough to get paid a good supplementary wage in country Victoria. But all that meant, that supplementary wage and that extra money, I just gambled with. Yeah, so binge drinking and binge gambling for a long part of my life, for probably 10, 15 years, was just the norm. And I'd never saw it as a problem, thought everyone else did it. You and thought and you saw as well. Correct, yeah. On a Saturday night to gamble $500,000 and have 12, 15 cans, it was not unusual at all for a lot of us. You mentioned depression after you finished playing yep. sport. Did, yeah. Did that influence... Yeah, it did. I went bigger. Yeah, did. So I gambled a lot more. When I was with in, in groups, gambling, mates and stuff, I never really did a lot of damage. Yes, it was gambling too much and drinking too much. But the big damage that I did after I retired was gambling by myself and chasing losses and having too much time on my hands. My whole lifestyle, in a way, like you're used to this two nights a week training, seeing your mates, playing on a Saturday, sometimes recovery session on a Sunday, to putting a complete hold on that living in a town where I didn't have really any mates, and then became a hermit myself. I look at that period of two or three years of the person I became from when I retired till I actually started to get some help. I was a terrible husband. Um, so you had a family? 
Yeah, so, and that was probably the change too. So I had, um, I was married, got married very young, and we tried to have kids for a long time through IVF, and I feel for any couple that goes through IVF, oh, it's a so horrific hard. roller coaster of emotions, and so much on the female with the hormones and so on. But we sort of just drifted apart and divorced, and then I met my second wife, and I went from just living a pretty much a single life existence, still being divorced, remarried, having a four-year-old stepson, a daughter, all within 12 months. So it was a massive life change for me, but I always thought, oh, that's what I always wanted. This is what I wanted. And it just was too much, And but never would say that out loud to anybody. Like, like I'm 195 centimetres and 17 stone, and around country Victoria, who puts a hand up and says, oh, I'm in trouble, I need some help, I can't cope. You just never said it. So you'd battle on, and if a couple of mates did sort of say, you know, what's going on? I just brushed them aside, you know. Oh, I'm just under the pump with work. And, but you just come up with excuses. You just make excuses for everything. What happened to your marriage during those years of gambling, your second marriage? How yeah. did your family cope with that? Hard. Mel's was ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she thought I was having an affair. So she was always suspicious about what I was doing. And then you're trying to hide the gambling, say, hiding bets on the phone and putting it. So at the time, I thought, well, that's ridiculous. It's just that sneakiness of hiding something from your partner or the person you're supposed to be most upfront and honest with. So I don't think that helped. I was really moody through that time. Would snap off like, do you know what I mean? Like, why isn't that on the coaster? Like, you drank it. I had a you know, six-year-old and a two-year-old and would never spend time with them. There's spending time and then there's spending time. Like, just because you're in the same room, you're not spending time with your kids now is like, do you know what I mean? It's cost me many painted nails and faces with Matt Madison because that's what she wanted to do. So you have to be in that moment. But never did any of that prior to while I was still gambling. <clears throat> would always look at excuses not to go anywhere. Didn't want to go and visit friends or spend time with. And at that retired space, that was probably, probably the most important thing I could have done is kept those friendships going and... Uh, and didn't want to do any of that. The um, sports friendships. Yeah, the yeah. ones that are made through. Yeah. And, and when I became retired from footy, you don't, because you don't see everyone, you know, once, twice, three times a week. You actually have to make the effort to go and see. But yeah, never went to any old my team's games or just didn't want to be involved at all. What decided you to stop? Uh, getting found out and getting... By your yeah, family? Yeah. So there, even then, though, I wasn't honest as to how much I lost. I was trying to still sugarcoat it. And then I got sacked from my job. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to hide to do, so I was just on the phone gambling, okay. uh, saying I was going here, but I wasn't. So, in so you were pretty deep in. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I could if I had press charges, like potentially. Do you know what I mean? Like I could have gone to jail. At that time, I had a choice. The gambling side of me would have packed up and gone, "Oh, this is all just too hard. I don't want to deal with it." Which is what I did for a majority of my life about dealing with feelings and which a lot of us men do, just don't want to talk about it, don't want to deal with it. And just either moved to Queensland or Perth and got out of here and never knew I had a daughter. But the counsellor I saw at St Albans, she sort of said, no, you can't do that, da, da, da. She said, do your mates know you? This is probably one big thing. I said, oh, no, I don't think so. She said, you'd be surprised what they do know. But I, she goes, I need you to have, how many, I said, oh, and I sort of said, oh, I've got lots, but we don't have lots of friends. We have lots of acquaintances. that will say, oh, g'day, how are you going? But friends are people there when you're absolutely in the dire that they're there, got your back. I told one every day for five days and it was emotional. Like I bawled through every time and there, there was those uncomfortable silences on the other end because I know they're like, hang on, big dance crying, what's going on here? Uh, but they all said, like a few of them had said that, oh, you're a, 
bloody dickhead and da da da, but we're here for you, whatever you need. And they were, like I'm one of them, probably my best mate, I moved into Bendigo with his family for six months because that's where I got a job. And they took me in for six months, which is amazing. I didn't have to do that, but they did. And that was the rock, rock bottom and slowly fought my way back. Probably for the first six months, I still had the wrong reasons for doing it. I was still saying, if I fix it, I can get my marriage back and get my family back. And it probably wasn't until I got a letter from uh, probably eight months later to say, no, nah, I'm filing for divorce, we're done. And I thought at that time I'd go, oh, bugger it, what's the point? I might as well gamble again. There's no point in me doing it now. But I didn't. I've got this time on my hands. I felt I've got to do something different, whatever that may be. And for me, it was volunteering. So, And I, I really enjoy it, the potential to help someone. Through one of my Gambler's Help counsellors, she put me onto the, what is called Peer Connection, and it's on the Gambler's Help website. So you're speaking to someone who's actually an ex-gambler. And my call was Frank, and I got the calls every Tuesday at 8 o'clock, and I would be like at 7.30 waiting for his call. So for the first six months, like he was probably the one of the keys to giving me hope and getting back on track. When I went back to see my counsellor, she suggested that I should look into becoming a volunteer in the Peer Connect program. I'm like, who'd want to listen to me? <laughs> what I've got to say? <laughs> Goodness me. But no, I went through the process, I went through the training, and it really nervous the first few calls, like really trouble with the silences. Like, I felt like I just had to get something in there. I couldn't, oh, I'm talking to someone, I'm trying to help it, but there's this long silence. Like, now I just know, well, you just shut up. Like, just, there's nothing wrong with that. And we used to do it at Heidelberg. So it used to be, you'd go into Banyol Community Health and there'd be a shift and there'd be five or six of us. And I learned a lot off the other callers. And some, you get such a vary. So I have a couple of ladies who have trouble with the pokies, live in country Victoria. They see it as a little bit of an outing for them. And then I have young blokes tradies who are throwing away thousands of dollars on sports betting on the phone so and i've done that for eight years now but now it's become mobile so i can take it so i was in murray bridge for work in south australia last week but i was able to take with what i had and do the calls from my motel in murray bridge which just makes it so much more flexible and i still dial in debrief with my supervisor which is protocol and just say it was any trouble was there anyone we should worry about which is really the case and then the second part of that was becoming a respin speaker so getting out and telling my story and I really enjoy that, and, I, and I'm starting to do some local stuff too. I'm good now, but, but for the first two years, you still have thoughts of, you know, the what ifs, and if I'd have stopped here, and that sort of takes that two years, I think. You can't do anything about yesterday. <laughs> it's gone. You might have had a really bad day, but hey, today's a new day. And for a long time, I used to think, oh, people who talk like that, Supreme optimist, you give me the shits. Like, <laughs> that sort of stuff. But you can't, it's so true. Like, you, you cannot do anything about yesterday. And you really can't do anything tomorrow. You can prepare for tomorrow. So, having that and getting that sort of mantra of, okay, yep, I made some really poor decisions over a 15 year period and an era that I, I'm not proud of at all. But I know I can be a good husband soon. And, and I know I'm a good dad. Now, so really took responsibility for what was happening to you and it was a, Maddie was my motivation my daughter there's pictures all up there it's her latest school one there yeah she was she was definitely my motivation to do it and then obviously meeting Sarah like um, I remember we met online I'd been on one other date and it was just a disaster but I'm not doing this <laughs> and we started talking and we we're chatting away and then Sarah asked um what happened to your marriage? Like, and we hadn't met each other at that stage. We'd only met online. And I just said, you know, I had a gambling problem. Lost thousands of thousands of dollars, blah, blah, blah. And thought about it for a while, but then since then it. And then I was waiting for the return. And eventually she came back and said, well, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. <laughs> and we just kept chatting from there. So, um, yeah, she knows all about what I do. And I think having that open 
most of it there. Like I'll do my calls, a big connection calls in there, and she'll ask, oh, "How is everybody?" And obviously not crossing client confidentiality, but she's just generally interested in my talks. She's always interested in how we go. Uh, my daughter calls it my other job because I think for so long, when you have that, and I'm sure it's similar for other addictions, but you hide it for so long, and it's not a period of time I'm proud of. But it's a period of time that I can resource and hopefully, if I can help some others, not get to the depths that I did. What would you tell young, it's usually boys, who are in that situation now? What kind of advice would you have to them? You don't have to gamble to be in that group. Absolutely be, want to be part of that and part of the, and I think it's really important that the leaders of the club and the peers of the club, that they get on board. Because I can go and tell that message and they'll say, oh, yeah, Dan Ingles, the next footballer, he speaks for, well, blah, blah, blah. But if their captain, who's played 150 games, loved by the club, loved by the young kids, gets up and sends, us, sends roughly the same message, well, they're going to get a lot more out of him sending that message than me. Anything else to say? Yeah, look, any go- anyone, whether it's male or female, um, don't be afraid to ask for help or tell your friends of the story or anything that you're going with. Um, they're friends for a reason. They love you. Um, and you might think it's really bad and they're going to react badly, but, but yeah, just be open and honest and ask for help. And I always say to the other people too, that if someone actually chooses you, that, that you're the one that they trust the most and you're the one that they're going to confide in, well, you're just as important as that because you've got to, whatever you're doing, give them your time and just sit and listen. You mightn't say anything. You mightn't have to give them the great advice, um, but let them and be in that present moment. So I always say to them that if you're that chosen one, if you like, make sure you give them the time that they've probably been thinking about telling you for weeks and weeks and weeks and built this up into something that's so important for them that you have to give the right thing, do the right thing for them. Uh, it's so important just to talk when you're struggling, I think. Um, my life now is so stress-free. Like, it's... The stress of gambling is amazing. Like, when you stop gambling and your, your shoulders go from here and, hang on, I feel much better and... I know my mates have said over the time that how much, how, what a different person I am now, back to the person that they met years and years ago. Thank you so much for sharing with me. Thank it's you. It's been very so, inspiring. Thank you for coming down. Appreciate telling the story and yeah, pleasure to meet you. That was Dan Irwin from Baninyong. You will find, as always, contact numbers and details in the notes attached to this episode. And while you're at it please give us a star rating. We'd also love to hear your comments and suggestions. Our Facebook and Twitter details are in the notes. Until next, have a healthy life, won't you? Farmer wants a healthy life.